Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. For the young artists, paint, 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 or draw, 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 or create, 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 and don't doubt that. Put your energy out. For young activists, get involved with any kind of organization that you think is doing good because it will lead you to the right place. Just do things. Do things. People that don't do things, they're boring. People that do things, even if it ends up not being the exact right thing at that time, do things. Cal Barteski is a philanthropist, author, activist, tactical urbanist, and artist perhaps best known for her beautiful script as well as her incredible wildlife and polar bear paintings. Cal has been fighting for wildlife, sea ice, and environmental health for years and is an avid supporter of conservation through the Polar Bear Fund. The fund advocates understanding, management, research, and ultimately conservation of the species. I sat down with Cal to talk about artistic inspiration, wildlife conservation, and the fight for preservation of Manitoba's hidden gems. Because if polar bears thrive, humans will too. Cal Barteski, thank you for joining us on the Because and Effect podcast. We, we're very happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. So first things first, I'm just going to ask you to take me back to the beginning. Where did this whole polar bear thing originate? Well, it's a long winding story, but Beautiful. really it's not. Uh-oh. I have always been a wildlife artist. Since I was probably in the first grade, I remember painting my first animal and I just love painting animals. I always have. What uh, was the first animal? Uh, it was a dog. Okay. Yeah. Not quite as related to the story as, as would be perfect, but I always painted animals. And when I went to college, I moved to Winnipeg and I really just wanted to be cooler than an animal painter because everybody cool painted other things. And so I tried really hard to paint other things because that's what cool people did. Right. But it turns out I'm a wildlife artist. I, that's, that's my happy place. And that's where I sort of excel. And early on in my trip or my, my move to Winnipeg, I went to the zoo and we were supposed to draw, draw live animals and live animals are really hard to draw. Like in school you were supposed to? Yep. This was part of, this was part of Red River advertising art. And, Live animals are hard to draw. They don't sit still. Right. They don't listen. They don't cooperate. And I found myself in front of the polar bear because she was old and she sat very still. And I fell in love with her. I'd never seen a polar bear, a live polar bear before in my entire life. And I, was, I became addicted to coming to visit Debbie. This was the infamous Debbie. And I came every month, every week, sometimes more than once a week, just to sit and draw. And I found that over that over those experiences, I kind of got to know her, yeah. and I kind of got to experience a little bit of polar bearness. Yeah. And many, many years after that, I painted a picture of her based on some of the sketches that I'd done. And the very next day, uh, Animal Planet called me, and they said, "We heard you are a polar bear artist, and you are just obsessed with polar bears, and we want to take you to this place called Churchill, Manitoba." And I'd never been, but I really wanted to go. Uh, I didn't feel like I was obsessed with polar bears for any reason. But uh, it's a bucket list trip. So I said, sure, sure, I'll go. That sounds fun. And after I saw my very first polar bear, which was about 20 minutes after we landed in Churchill, I realized I was addicted. This was amazing. Uh-huh. This was the most incredible experience I had ever had, especially growing up on the prairies, especially Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Yeah. Like, we don't have these giant apex predators, do yeah. we? Yeah, we do. 
Manitoba, right. you have giant apex predators and they're huge and they have this incredible weighted amount of history with them. You know, they're vicious. They're these things. Yeah. And then you spend some time up close with them and you realize they're not, hmm. they're not, they're not like that. And I felt like I just blew open this window into these magical magical yeah. creatures so when you landed <clears throat> and 20 minutes later did you go on a tour or were they just roaming around where you happened we to weren't fly on into? a tour we were just in the van getting to town and a mom and two cubs crossed the oh, road in man. front of us and we had to stop while they were crossing and i was also a fairly new mom at the time and the mother bear kind of said something to her cubs and they ran across the road and got through the bushes and and she clearly said to them go go cross the road do yeah. this and it was just this language that you could tell. Like I could clearly understand what she said. The bears, the little huh. cubs, clearly understood what she said. And I found it so fascinating that their communication was just as, you know, flawless and simple as our communication. Mm -hmm. And I felt, man, we we really are so much more connected, even to these big, magical apex predators yeah. than, than I knew. When did it turn into a philanthropic endeavor? Like when did you decide, okay, I, I want to... I, they need help. I need. I want to help. How did? You, when did that all come together? Well, after my first trip to Churchill, I started going back every year and spending more time with local people and spending more time with bears, and really just listening to the conversation that was happening. Like by scientists or by who? Um, you know what? I've had conversations with scientists, researchers, conservation officers, politicians, people that have grown up in Churchill their whole entire lives. And I found the conversations and the differences in sort of all the perspectives really fascinating mm -hmm. and really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see more done for polar bears. I wanted Manitoba to step up and be a leader in polar bear conservation um, creative management of people and bears. I just really felt that there was a kind of a void in mm. proactively, positively kind of trying to do something more. Part of that, I think, is because of the disconnect from nature that like city, yes. city dwellers have. You don't often get the opportunity to go out into the wilderness and see it firsthand. Yes. And it's probably a pretty profound experience when you do and you realize, okay, we need to... We need to focus on this and focus some energy on it yeah. and make sure we conserve. How do we get more people to buy in if they're not having that firsthand experience? Yeah, I agree. And in the experience with the polar bears, every single one that I've ever had, it's fascinating to me that you're watching a single creature. And that single creature has a personality and a character and a thought pattern and all the different things. And it, it became very apparent that polar bears, which kind of just sounds like this big faceless army of bears, yeah. is actually just like us, just made up of these really beautiful individual creatures. Hmm. And it really inspired me to want to do more to help them. So what has that process been like, starting the f polar bear fund and just kind of learning more? Uh, you're, you're kind of the foremost, at least that I know. I would call you if I had any polar bear questions, you know <laughs> what I mean? So how, how does that worked out for you? What have you learned and, and what's that process been like? Uh, well, starting the fund at the Winnipeg Foundation was very simple. Um, and it's been, it's been a good experience. It's been a learning experience on getting people involved and sharing information. And um, I've created a bunch of products that will in turn support the fund. And that sort of unlocked a few things in me. And I'm inspired about what's in store for the fund because we've just reached sort of our 
our minimum to start actually doing some good and mm-hmm. taking in some projects and going over some things that we might be able to do to make a difference. You seem very prolific when it comes to the amount of projects you kind of have <laughs> on the go and everything. How important is it to your mental health, to your sanity to, to create? Oh, vital. <laughs> yeah. It's just everything that is just, that is my mental health creating. Um, the, the best part about having the fund or maybe the, the primary motivator for me about having the fund was I ended up in Churchill by accident. I ran into these bears almost by accident. And in turn, I came home and just started researching and painting and calling people and, you know, learning all of these things about bears that I had no idea existed. I was asked to do a TED talk about a TEDx talk about polar bears. And when I started doing some speech writing and some research, someone suggested that I get in touch with a polar bear psychologist. A what? A polar bear psychologist? Like that is a thing? Uh I had no idea. So I Googled it. And sure enough. There is, there are polar bears. So they bears go that, out. Well, and they they just sort of deal with the personalities and how the bears react. So I called her. Her name was Elsa Polson, and we had the most fantastic conversation. And every little polar bear experience like that opened up more, just opened my eyes to more things. So I started painting more bears, and in turn, the paintings uh, funded a back surgery for me that would allow me to continue to paint. For sure. And therefore, I feel really indebted to bears because they have completely not only changed my life, but given me life. Interesting. When you painted that first dog <laughs> picture, did you know you wanted to be an artist way back then? And yeah. That was the option? Yeah. Was yeah, I've never any done doubt? anything else. No. No? No, never any doubt. And... What's interesting about myself not having any doubt is, and anyone who ever wanted to do anything like art would experience this, um, I had no doubts. But every single person that I came up upon in my entire life had doubts. Are you sure you want to mm-hmm. do this? Do you have a backup plan? Like, what what are you going to do if it doesn't work out? I had never thought about what I would do if it didn't work out because I had never thought about it not working out. Huh. I'm envious of that position. Mm-hmm. I think any any endeavor I've ever had has been, there's been some, one of my questions that I wrote down was, <laughs> how do you deal with the self-doubt that almost all artists have? Oh, I still have lots of self-doubt, but I don't see an option in my life for something that would make me happier. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But not a lot of young artists especially have that confidence to dive all like head first and go all in i don't know if it's confidence or if it was just like (laughs) stubbornness stubbornness or i don't know ignorance but um i'm the kind of person that if there's a there's a thing there's a goal there's a challenge i'm just going for it where does that come from i think you're just born with it i don't know I don't know. I don't have any advice. You didn't get that instilled (laughs) in you by anyone growing up? (laughs) No, I think I probably had a lot of people try to beat Mm. it out of me, but... uh, So it's almost like, screw the naysayers, like, I can do this. Yeah, a little bit. It's almost a little bit like, if you say I can't do it, I'm definitely doing it. That's pretty (laughs) punk rock. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty punk rock. (laughs) For sure. Um, At what point did you realize... The naysayers were wrong. Was there a moment where you're like, I can make a living doing that? Like everyone, what are you talking about? I can do this. Mm. Uh, I don't think there was a moment. Maybe there never will be a moment. Hmm. You just keep doing it. I I feel like I have the most exciting life in the world. I do not know what I'm doing on a daily basis. Um, 
we, there's a running joke with my kids and the kids in the community because I have painting clothes. So when they see me in my mm. painting clothes, they always say, Cal, what are you painting today? And then we all laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Polar bears. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. How frequently are you going back to Churchill now? Is it once a year still or you go more frequently? Um, I'm going quite a bit more frequently frequently to Churchill. Um, In 2017, I planned an epic mural festival Mm -hmm. for Churchill. One of the things that I found visiting Churchill over and over again is that there there were a tremendous amount of curious, curiously abandoned buildings. Mm. Um, Churchill has this rich, deep, wide history with the Canadian military, the U.S. military, the British military, and, and therefore, there were all of these buildings. At one point in time, Churchill had 15,000 people just ripping around, buzzing there. There were a whole bunch of uh, military bases. And the militaries have since pulled out. There's you know, been a lot of devastating changes for them, which has left a lot of kind of emptiness. Yeah. And one of the things that I found quite curious is that there were just all of these buildings. I thought, what if we painted them? Like, what if we did these large, epic paintings on these buildings and drew some attention, started some conversation, maybe celebrated what's there, maybe questioned what's happening, um, what would happen? So 18 of my artist friends from around the world, uh, including Manitoba and Canada and a couple from Winnipeg here, we all went to Churchill and we painted in... I don't know, six or seven days, 18 murals. And murals that are, my mural was one of the smaller murals, and it was 85 yeah. by 30 feet. They are striking. Like, I've seen photos, obviously, and they are awesome looking. Like, just the scope. When you say epic, it's very much so. They were some epic murals. One of them, uh, one of the ones on the main street is 400 feet long. That's crazy. Like, that is crazy. And it was painted by a 26-year-old woman from Australia by herself, Nuts. which is which is insane. So before, yeah. uh, just before we went to Churchill, before all the artists were to convene, and we had all of our freight coming up on planes and trains, not on planes, just on trains, people were coming on planes, the rail line washed out. Right. So we sort of had to start over from scratch about three weeks before the mural festival, big borrow steel. We didn't get to bring the equipment that we wanted, but when we got to Churchill, we sort of had an all call, like this is an emergency. We've got artists here willing to do something for you. They're inspired by your home and your energy and your magic. Uh, what can you do? And people came, they came with ladders, they came with lifts, they came with buckets, they came with snacks. The town really embraced the artists, and I think in turn the artists really embraced Churchill, which is not a surprise. Yeah. And uh, we were left we left them with some art, and it was at a devastating time for them. And I think it made a difference. I know it made for a sure, difference. For sure. And we're talking about the Seawalls Festival, Seawalls sea Churchill. Yep. So if you want to Google that, you can see some photos and all that great stuff. Definitely. And there's a documentary. You yes, can the watch. doc you can yep. watch. Very cool stuff. Um, what was the response of the people? Like, obviously, that's an uplifting experience. Just to see a group of people from all around the world care about your little corner yeah. of the world, right? So how did they respond when they saw these murals? They loved them. They loved them, and they loved the artists. And what was the most profound moment for me, uh, the documentary came out about a year after the festival, and I wanted the people of Churchill to be the first people to see the documentary. So we flew up to Churchill, we rented their movie theater, we invited everyone to come, and then we played this documentary that I had nothing to do with making. It was created 100% by Handcraft Creative. Um, we played this film while I sat with the people of Churchill in the theater, and all you could hear were 
sobs, tears. You know, there was points in the documentary where it's funny and there was points where it's heartbreaking. And afterwards, everyone had tears in their eyes and they just said, we forgot. We forgot how hard and how devastated we Mm. were. And to see these people, these artists, these people who don't know us come and just work for us and and care and care about us and yeah. see us for, for who we are. There's always going to be, you know, political fights and, and different things like that. But to have these people that would really gain nothing come and contribute to our community is profound. There's a great quote that I heard recently that goes, art has the power to change the world. And you're kind of living proof of that. Is there <laughs> another example other than the Churchill experience where you feel like you really had a profound effect on a group of people or, or, a, or an area of the world? Well, I feel like they've had a profound effect on me. Mm. So it's only fair. It's reciprocal. Yeah. yeah. There may be, uh, I have insider information on oh. this, uh, part two of the mural festival coming up. Very cool. Which is tentatively titled Inside the Heart of Churchill. Nice. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm just an artist and I cannot contribute um, you know, scientific data or brain surgery or any of these kinds of things to the world, but I can give you art. And I will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very modest, (laughs) very humble, for sure. Have you always had this kind of sense of empathy for those in need or people who or animals that need help? Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think one of the things that I love painting or one of the reasons why I love painting animals is their eyes, their faces. You can really see, you can see what they're thinking. And anybody that has a cat or a dog knows when they come home and their dog is happy or their dog has done something bad and it kind of hides (laughs) or, you know, their their cat is just like really ticked off that they haven't been home for two days, uh, kind of giving them the cold shoulder. I just find it really fascinating that they do communicate with us and we can communicate with them. And this is just a really interesting oddball fact. But in 1986 at the University of Cambridge, a bunch of scientists uh, signed a, a declaration called the Declaration of Cambridge that says and states any organism, any mammal, any, any live thing that mm-hmm. has a brain shares the same kind of feelings. So there's a lot of reasons that we love things and there's a lot of reasons we are angry and there's a lot of reasons we could get jealous or, you Mm. know, you know, or we are aloof. um, And all of those are sort of survival things. And you can see that in animals, right? Right. You can see love. Love helps you to protect your family unit. Jealousy helps you to protect your family unit, right? Anger helps you to also protect your territory or your people or your, your community. And I think that's fascinating. It seems like it helps us understand ourselves a little bit if you can because it, it, it's almost like a simplistic breakdown of what we feel and why yeah and it's expressed yeah. in nature yeah and yeah. they're not always feeling things for the exact same reasons that mm-hmm. we would be but they're feeling things and that really just man that's so cool give me another lesson that you've learned from either going up north or painting animals or sitting with well, polar bears at the zoo let's start with a northern lesson sure you just make make it work with what you have. Mm-hmm. It's just right. that that's one of the coolest things. Um, it is a cold place. So Churchill is just the you know just a cold place on the ocean, and it is one of the warmest places I have ever been. That community there s- supports each other, sticks together like a giant family. There can be disagreements and squabbles, but I have never seen a community or even a family pull together like they do. Hmm. And I think that was a real important lesson 
for me. Just make it work. Yeah, you make it work. And, and you help each other out. And that is something that maybe the rest of the world needs to do a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Make it work and help each other out. Something I've struggled with um, with music and other artistic endeavors is feeling the inspiration to get started. Do you ever have days where you're like, I, I don't want to paint today or I don't want to create, I just need to rest? Or, and how do you get over that? Mm, I do have those days. I think everyone has those yeah. days. Uh, and I found the best cure for not wanting to paint is just picking up a paintbrush and painting. And maybe it's not productive and beautiful or going exactly right. where you want it to, but I feel like you usually find a bit of that groove. And I think I may be just a walking example of that. The last year for us has been really tough, and I have not always wanted to paint. Mm-hmm. But every single time I push myself to paint, man, good things happen. Yeah. Is it a therapeutic kind of an experience then when you're creating? Uh, yeah. Creating for me is like breathing. It's therapeutic, Mm. but it's also just necessary. Just, yeah. Part of who I am. If I'm not making things, I'm not myself. Is there ever a time where you create something and you're like, "Mm, that's garbage. Yeah. 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 All the time. Okay. Okay. Good. (laughs) I was, I was worried that that was just, uh, you can come to see my studio floor anytime. I've got a humongous discard pile. But one of my challenges for this year is taking things from the discard pile and resurrecting them. Mm. I've seen a, a, a cool thing on the internet lately where people are posting uh, drawings that they did 10, 15 years ago and yeah. updating them oh. and like doing, seeing the progression of the artist and also just like your modern interpretation on your own work from 10, 15 years ago. So cool. I think that could be a cool opportunity to, to like refresh some old things that maybe you were like, ah, eh, this wasn't that good back then. That's but a great now, idea. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. There's really cool okay. stuff out there. I'm going to do that today. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I read on your website mm-hmm. the title Tactical Urbanist. And oh, yeah. I, I was like, what What does that mean? So <laughs> that's my question. What is a tactical urbanist? A tactical urbanist is maybe a... Mm, that is an excellent question <laughs> on the exact definition of that. I can tell you where the term came from. Sure. Um, graffiti artist does not always have the most positive connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, historically graffiti was something, you know, done without permission on public property. Uh, A tactical urbanist is something a little more thoughtful. Permissions are probably granted, you know, have gone through some of the right channels um, to do public or outdoor art. So in terms of Seawall's Churchill, everything, all the hoops and, and, you know, things were jumped through in order to do public art. And, And the other public art that I love to do um, is not criminal (laughs) it's all where it's supposed to be so it's tactical urbanism and I I'm very passionate about contributing art to your community and one of the best and most you know efficient uh, and enjoyable ways to do that is public art so murals Mm -hmm. or small bits and one of the things that I started doing in my own back lane to prepare for Seawells Churchill was um Well, to be perfectly honest, I knew I was going to Churchill with 18 rock star artists and I'm not normally an outdoor or at that time I wasn't normally an outdoor artist and I didn't know what it was like to paint on metal. I didn't know what it was like to paint outside. I didn't I didn't have the answers to these things. And if I don't have answers, then I go and find them. So I thought I own a metal garage door. It's roughly 60 years old. That qualifies as old metal and it's outside. So I'm going to paint that. It's mine. Mm. I can paint it. Right? I don't need permission to paint my own stuff. 
so I did. And I realized it's really fun. Like painting outside is just awesome. Uh, so I went to Churchill and I also painted outside. And when I came back, I was just so energized by painting outside, having people walk by. Normally I paint in my studio all by myself. And I love that as well. But engaging with the community by yeah hey, and what's going on questions here? Yeah. and suggestions and it was really fun so when i got back my neighbor said could you paint my garage i would love to and then after that one was painted the next neighbor said would you paint my garage <laughs> and it just sort of snowballed from there in the back lane and all of the pieces that were painted were requested and i said to the neighbors if you would like me to paint something i would love to if you pick an arctic animal I'll paint it for free. If you pick anything else, it will be $10,000. And surprisingly, everyone picked an Arctic (laughs) animal. (laughs) So it was a way to contribute to the back. The kids in the community could be part of it. Mm -hmm. They helped make maps. They helped contact people. It was a real project that really was undertaken by the kids. And and now today there are 15 larger murals and almost 100 other little animals that you can find – and it's for the kids. It's for the community. It's probably the safest back lane in all of Wosley. There's not a day goes by that there isn't someone walking their dog or rolling through on a wheelchair. Or we've had stroke recovery people. We have wow. daycares. There's it's, a lot of pictures on Instagram, too, of people yeah. just back there snapping shots. You yeah. know what? And it, it's created a little bit of a community, and it's created a little bit of a space. And it was done for no reason other than the love of painting it is it's free it's accessible it's fun and beautiful let's talk a little bit about the um public perception of public art yeah we talked about graffiti being you know kind of shame on you don't be doing that but now (laughs) i think there's a an understanding of the importance of public art and the value that a mural can bring to a community so how have you seen that evolution over the years since you first started to now Well, I feel like I've kind of got a crash course in living it. Mm. I think public art is extremely important to communities. I think it's an incredible way for people to take ownership over their communities. Mm. And I also feel that when they have that ownership, they're more invested. And I will give you an example of that. In Churchill, we kind of came up with all these sites for, for the murals. And people weren't quite sure what we were doing and what was happening and how's this going to happen. But when the murals started going up, people really started to engage with the artist and also with that, you know, blank slate of a building uh, that became something really spectacular. Mm -hmm. So as soon as this building had art, people started to clean up the garbage around Uh the art. They started to clear the dumpsters and move the cars so that this art could have a place. And then they started to bring their family members over to see the art. And it became just this this real beautiful piece of ownership. And in terms of that 400-foot mural uh, in Churchill, the the building was 400 feet. It was abandoned U.S. naval base. It was metal. It was an aggressive, kind of sad-looking thing. And it was the first thing that you saw when you came into the town. Mm. So the Australian artist, Georgia Hills, she painted this black and white uh, typographical mural. So it just had words. And after spending time in the community, she said, you know what? I want this to say, no, I'm here. And mm. initially, people in the town were like, ah, I don't know. This is weird. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't this. I don't know. And it just, it didn't get a nice. direct quotes? Yeah. Like, it well. didn't get a really warm right. reception. And even on the Facebook page, people were like, this isn't great. Just that one or the well, projects in general? This one, just this one. Okay. And 
after, about about three months later, um, people started to really love and identify with this mural. And then they took on the No, I'm Here as their town slogan. Wow. And people started going back to the Facebook pages and saying, you know what? I didn't like it, but I love it wow. now. And it's really started to... I don't know, maybe forge a path for this community. And Mm -hmm. they took it upon themselves to make No I'm Here t-shirts and No I'm Here signs. And they use it in some of their demonstrations and protests to get, you know, attention from the government. And that really touched my heart. Like this was just this piece of public art done by this woman who'd never been here before that spent, you know, four days getting to know the community. And in those four days could boil down, you know, the the sort of thing that they needed. They just needed people to know they were there. It invokes like a yes, we can Obama type powerful message, right? That's huge. So I feel like that was one of the stories with the the public art that I experienced where there's some pushback when it comes up, people aren't sure, and then all of a sudden they adopt it and embrace it and just nourish Well, once you see it and once you experience it, you can't deny it. No. But when it's just conceptualized, it's easy to be like, "Mm, I don't know. And it's created such a neat energy because at no point did anyone in Churchill, you know, accept their visitor on the plane and then say, let's drive around and look at all of these abandoned buildings. But now it's one of the first things that people do. They're like, you have to see all of these things. And it didn't exist before there was paint. So I, I, I will never, uh, not be fascinated by the fact that you can change a community, you can change a space, you can change a back lane with a little bit of paint. Well, I love that message too because it it just proves the power that art has to yes. shine a light on the marginalized or the forgotten or any yes. of that, you know, like Well, and here's a, one more funny story from Churchill. Uh, the very first day of the festival when the artists were arriving, they were coming through customs at the Winnipeg airport. And I was already in Churchill. The train had been washed out. There was a lot of attention and a lot of confusion and a lot of, you know, what we don't know what's happening. And I got a call from customs, Canada Customs, at the Winnipeg airport. And they said, there are a bunch of artists here that say they're going to Churchill. <laughs> like, that's not possible. Churchill's closed. They've never had an yeah, artist. Yeah, they're washed out. Wow. We, like, what kind of fraudulent activity is happening here? And then he grilled me for What's a long this time. What's the front for? Yeah, like, he was not... He was not pleasant, and and he was not sure. That How diplomatic this was, of you! Yeah. He was not very pleasant. <laughs> and so by the end, I convinced him. Yep, we're having a mural festival, and I know that the train ha- is not operating, and I know all of these things look weird. But we had it all planned before, so we're not going to bail on this town. And so he said, "Okay, this is not a mural festival. I'll call this a morale project." And I was like, yes, yes, actually, that's even better than Mural Festival. Good branding. You're proving right there that art is important for morale. Hmm. And you didn't want to prove that. I know that on this phone call. <laughs> you, but you did it. And that was really powerful. So he did let everyone in. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Canada Customs. Thank and, you, sir. Uh, Shout out to the Canada Customs guy. Yeah. That's but amazing. But it was just a really beautiful moment because art does change people's minds. It changes their lives. It changes communities. And I'm pro-art. It, well, it's such a, Churchill is such a gem, like a hidden gem in Manitoba, too. What was yeah. it like for the people from Austria? Wasn't there someone from Brazil, too, or oh, something? Yeah. Like, what, were, what was their experiences coming to this little tiny gem in northern Manitoba? Everybody loved it. Yeah. Every single person 
um, every single artist, every single team member has reached out to me multiple times to just say, we didn't know what we were getting into. And we didn't know where we were going. But man, thank you for letting us be a part of that. We did ice flow hikes. We went on Zodiac tours with belugas. We ended up seeing some bears, the Northern Lights. It was just a really fascinating time for everyone. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity, really. Yeah. For a lot of people. I've never been there, right? And I lived in Manitoba almost Get my whole life. Going. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it on the to do list, definitely. What's what's your advice to young artists or young activists or young people who want to make a difference but don't know how? Mm. Well, for the young artists, paint, 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 or draw, 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 or make music. Create, what, create, whatever, create. yes. Create, 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 create. And don't doubt that. Um, put your energy out. For young activists, get involved with any kind of organization that you think is doing good because it will lead you to the right place. Just do things. Do things. People that don't do things, they're boring. People that do things, even if it ends up not being the exact right thing at that time, do things. What I've come to, too, is not only do things, but don't um, tear down those who do. Yeah, There's a lot of, absolutely. you know, like, ah, I could do that. And it's like, well, yep. then do it. Well, and that's that's also one of the really interesting aspects of public art, right? As soon as public art goes out, people have a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past, those opinions would really terrify me. Mm. And now I've sort of changed my perspective a little bit to, to welcome those opinions and create that conversation. You know, yes, you might not like this, but what are you doing? Yeah. Right? How are you making the world a better yeah. place? Yeah. Was there... Does that just come with experience and come with time and come with success? I think, uh, I think maybe just experience. Yeah. <laughs> How, what's the best way to navigate those conver- those tough conversations? I'm gonna just go with just lean in, just jump in. Uh, it took me a while. I would run away from a lot of them, mm. but just lean in. We're all just people. I think we can figure it out. That's a good message because I feel like everyone pretty much wants the same things. Yes. Safety, happiness, com- comfort yeah. for their families. They just have different ideas of what, yep. how to get there. Yeah. And if they don't understand one method, it's, it's a lot easier if you approach uh, them knowing that, oh, here's what you want. Here's how this can get it there. Yeah. Even yeah. though you don't understand the art, it will get us there too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I agree. Well, at the end of our time together, <laughs> we have a little thing called Just Because, where okay. we ask seven quick questions. I don't want you to think about it. Just the first thing that pops <laughs> into your mind, and uh, we'll go from there. Are you down? Yep. Okay, great. Question the one. Question the first. Uh, what is the first cause that you remember caring about back when you were a kid? Recycling. Oh. Recycling was sort of just kind of becoming popular when I was a kid, and I was. Oh, I was all about <laughs> recycling, all the recycling things. Uh, I thought that was really important was there a moment that you're just like no that goes in this blue bin oh yeah we didn't even have bins at that time oh no right and i was just cans cans i was really Mm. like i think that might have been one of the first sort of crowd you know recycling campaigns right and i would just chase after oh these don't go in the garbage are you still there are you still there yeah yeah Yeah, you throw cans in the garbage in front of me you better watch out awesome (laughs) second question if money politics and logistics were no issue at all if you just had a magical ability to snap your fingers and make something happen what's the first thing you would do in support of your cause in support of my cause yeah. uh, if all of those things were not an issue i would do two things number one create the most 
non-invasive tracking device for polar bears. Mm. Polar bears are hard to track. Um, the devices used currently are outdated and invasive and and really just old school. So that would be my number one. Interesting. And what was number two? Uh, well, number two, there are ear tags that are placed in the ears of polar bears once they've been handled by conservation. And they're very simple. Uh, I think there are ways we could mark them to make it obvious what age the bear is, what you know, gender the bear is, and how that may help us in some situations. For sure. That's a really simple one. Yeah, I'm a bit of a layman when it comes to... What's the importance of marking them just like... Uh, well, they're marked so that conservation, Manitoba Conservation, knows that the bear has been handled. Um, like sometime. for counting and numbers yep, purposes yep. too, obviously. And they'll obviously. take a look at body health and whether it's a male or a female, how often that they see it, you know, kind of where its path is happening. Um, okay. And I think that there are some nice, easy, identifiable ways that we could add value to that tracking. Especially it's with not modern tracking. technology, yeah. right? Like there's there's be. more people taking photos. There's more ways to kind of crowdsource where and who and which bears are, are where. So cool. I think we're not, we're not using our, our skills to our advantage yet. Gotcha. Number three, uh, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the, the polar bear uh, situation? Mm, I think polar bears are sort of like the poster child for global warming. Mm. And um, I think that it's more than that. Is that I a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, like. um, I, I think maybe they get overlooked in a technical and sort of more specific sense when they're just sort of this general, like, the polar bears will die. Right. Um, they are important to that pyramid of of Arctic survival, but there are many pieces that are also important. Mm -hmm, for sure. Number four, how do you know when it's time to throw in the towel, when something's just not working and it's time to pull the plug? I have no idea. You're not one. <laughs> yeah. The few people that I haven't learned that yet. A few of the previous guests have had that same mentality and I find it fascinating, you know, like n never give up, never quit. Well, I wouldn't say never give up or never quit, but, um, I don't go into it thinking when is it time to give up. For sure. How about that? Uh, let me rephrase it then. What, <laughs> what's a what's a circumstance that would allow you to understand? Okay, maybe it's time to pivot. Hmm. That is. A, I like the way you phrase that. I don't know because I like to consider myself like a jet ski, as opposed to a tall ship. Does that make mm, sense? Yes, more like, maneuverable, and yeah. you can figure it out as yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a lot of maneuvering and a lot of pivoting happening constantly. But I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't equate pivots with throwing in the towel. Gotcha. How well about said. that? Yeah, very well. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Mm, the best piece of advice that I have ever been given was leverage what you have. And I mm. think sometimes people forget um, that the things you gain or the ideas and the knowledge that you've, you learn can be used to get to the next step. Almost mm -hmm. like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Mm -hmm. Like that kind of idea. Sometimes we just say like, okay, I know this, I'll put it over there. I know this, we'll put it over mm -hmm. there. But I'm trying to think, I know this, how can I stand on top of that and right. see further? How can I use Does that? that? Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think people to add on to that, people probably don't realize the power that their experiences give them too. You know, yeah. like if you go through something, you can, yeah. you can apply that to the next. Yes, exactly that. Exactly. Number six, mm -hmm. what advice would you give your 10 year old self drawing that little dog way back in the day? If you could speak to her right now, keep doing that. You're doing the right thing. Um, I think what we forget about being a kid is that kid, kids don't think about long-term plans or like how this looks on my resume, right? You're mm -hmm. 10. You're just like, I want to paint animals. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to paint animals. Yes. Do that. Don't question it. Even, even now today, people say, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a polar bear artist. And then they take one step back and they kind of go, 
but why? Yeah. I'm like, because they're awesome. Like, that's just what I want to do, guys. Well, your enthusiasm is infectious, so <laughs> never stop. Never stop doing that either. Last question, number seven. What do you want to be remembered for? Mm, I want to be remembered for making a difference. Mm. I really do. Um, I think there's a lot of ways you can make a difference in your life. And I read a quote recently that said, art is many things. It's, you know, it's how you love someone. It's, you know, how you operate your day. And, and that made me feel like, yeah, I just want to make a difference. And, and I can. And if everybody makes a difference, like, man, what a difference we can make. Absolutely. Well said. Well, you have made a difference in our lives. Thank you for being on the Because and Effect podcast. Thank you for talking to us. It's always a pleasure. Um, Cal Barteski, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Cal Barteski, such a wonderful and inspirational person, um, an incredible artist. If you haven't seen her art, go on Instagram right now. Look up at Cal Barteski, that's K-A-L-B-A-R-T-E-S-K-I, and just enjoy. She's an incredible artist and honestly an inspiration to me and I'm sure thousands of others. Uh, thank you to Cal and thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, the podcast doesn't exist without your support and it means a lot that you've given up your valuable time to listen i know there's a lot of content out there and there are a lot of different ways you could be spending your time so i really appreciate you listening if you haven't please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review that helps us out quite a bit and if you think someone would enjoy hearing cal and i talk about art uh, talk about polar bears talk about churchill send them the link um, word of mouth is basically how i get all my music and podcasts nowadays everyone just sends me song lists and podcast ideas so help spread the word about because and effect word of mouth is the best way to do it all music on the because and effect podcast was composed and produced by trenton burton you can find his work at trentonburton.com because and effect is a project of the winnipeg foundation with special thank you to robert zirk and sonny promolo for production assistance I'm Nolan Bicknell. You can follow me at Nolan Bicknell on all social media. And please follow the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, Have a great day or a great night. And uh, remember, just try and stand for something. Bye-bye.